This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. this group sound together really without knowing what objects or instruments uh, are being used by each other at any one time or indeed who's playing them or where they're coming from because there's speakers placed around as well. I suppose we're having a little bit of debate in there a little bit about uh, a detachment and emotional content expression music versus sound working together just trying to come to terms with with what's happening around us and adapting to our environment as we play. It's communication of a different kind. We're trying to have some kind of conversation between the four of us and the space. Maybe the audience get involved in a way as well because if, if you can feel an audience is really engaged intently in what you're doing, that feeds the energy somehow. But there's no verbal or not even really a visual communication. It's just listening and trying to respond. I think what does happen, like in any conversation, maybe somebody will dominate that conversation. That's not necessarily the best type of conversation. The best type is where there's kind of a give and take. Generosity of listening, I suppose, really is a way to, to put it. The ideal for me would be if there's more silences in the whole piece than there is sound. The primary aspect and the core of my practice in most of the Quiet Club is listening and the ability to listen. We would select the quality of musician we play or we play with by their ability to listen rather than say their dexterity on the keyboard or on the guitar or whatever instrument they're playing, but their ability to listen and respond with other artists. Welcome to the third programme in our Hugh Lane concert series. Already this season we have had the delectable classical jazz of Lars Janssen and Rona Gilfoyle and that was followed up with the contemporary experimental compositions of jazz bassist Barry Guy, accompanied by Izumi Kimura on piano. This time we have something completely different again. The Quiet Club and Crow present As the Crow Flies, a concert of pure improvisational sound art.
We're here at the Hugh Lane Gallery today on the 19th of March 2017 for a very special concert of new music, part of the Sundays at Noon series. And I'm talking now with Danny McCarthy. Danny, tell me about today's concert and the kind of music that you've planned to do. Well, it's really a mixture between music and sound art. It comprises, comprises of two duos, uh, one called Crow, which is spelled C-R, capital O-W, and Mick O'Shea and myself, which operate under the name of The Quiet Club. It came about by a happy accident in one sense. We were down in Sligo uh, performing an opera by Ian Wilson, and um, Ian is playing with us as well today. But what happened was there was a big storm in England, and our singer for the opera couldn't come over. So Ian called up his friend Carl, who lived just outside the town, and they came in, and we just started playing together in the black box in the model in Sligo. And then we liked what we heard, and we, a CD resulted from it, which was called As the Quiet Crow Flies. So this tour is called As the Quiet Crow Flies. Tell me about sound art, because it's really only, I suppose, since the invention of electronics, since maybe the early 1950s, uh, Karlheinz Stockhausen's music, for example, that this particular art form has evolved. Uh, would you say there's a direct link between what you do today and Stockhausen's legacy and... Um, not really. I think it um, would be partly, I suppose, but uh, our legacy, we say, from the sound art aspect would be coming more from the visual art side, kind of starting probably with the futurists, moving on up through fluxes, people like that, groups like that, and uh, operating from that. Uh, it would very often have a visual aspect to it, some of the sound art that we would do anyway. You know, I mean, I would, as well as, say, playing music here today, I would do a lot of sound installations, uh, sound art exhibitions, that type of thing, you know. So I suppose in reality, it's, is it a blend of uh, what we call music with what we would traditionally call sound? And either a blend of those or perhaps on, in its own right, sound art encompasses literally maybe everything. 
Well, exactly. I mean, when I'm talking to students, I mean, what I would normally say the term sound art is really as broad as the term modern art. Um, most people uh, know what modern art is and know a certain amount of the genres. Sound art is very much similar in that there's, you know, 10,000 genres within it and subgenres of genres, you know. And uh, today's uh, session that we're having here at the Hugh Lane, uh, what's your working method together as a quartet? How will you proceed? Uh, basically, we just start playing. I mean, everything is totally improvised, you know? Like when Mick and myself operate as the Quiet Club, we don't talk about what we do beforehand and we don't talk about what we did afterwards. Uh, our conversation <laughs> takes place on stage. But the primary aspect and the core of my practice and most of the Quiet Club is uh, listening and the ability to listen. We would often play with musicians, but we select the quality of musician we play or we play with by their ability to listen rather than say their dexterity on the keyboard or on the guitar and whatever instrument they're playing, but their ability to listen and respond with other artists. I've been listening to you in the uh, warm-up stage here at the gallery and you're making various types of sounds of different kinds. Uh, some of them remind me a little bit of Messiaen. Uh, sort of almost bird called uh, uh, things. Are all of these uh, sounds, uh, to your way of thinking, are you intending to produce uh, something that an audience will uh, listen, uh, not just listen to, but be familiar with? Or are you challenging an audience to truly listen? I'm asking the audience to truly listen. Because a lot of what we'll do will be very, very quiet, will be on the threshold of listening. And some of it can be very, very loud, but lots happening within the loudness. So it's really asking the audience to listen. We don't consider the audience when we're playing. Well, I certainly don't consider the audience when I'm playing or pander to the audience to try and throw, show that I'm dexterous on the guitar or something like that. Um, no, it's just about the sound that we're making and the ability to listen. Now, I've noticed some of the instrumentation, if I may call it that, yeah. uh, at your particular table. Yeah. Can you describe some of the devices that you're using here today at the Hugh Lane? Yeah, um, one of the devices that I'd be using is an old uh, butcher's brush, uh, which I presume for health and safety reasons aren't allowed around anymore. But it was a, a normal brush, except the bristles were made of steel, and the butcher would use it to clean down his old worktops when the day's work was finished. And I happened to come across it in um, a car boot sale, and I picked it up, not knowing what I was going to do with it. And then I brought it back to the studio, and I put a, a pickup on it, and uh, I liked the sound that I was getting out of it. And the kind of pickup that I have on it is a, an old electromagnetic type pickup, which was used for hard of hearing telephones. Uh, once upon a time when people had the telephone and they were hard of hearing, they had a uh, telephone on one hand and this extra earpiece on the other, over the other ear, almost like in stereo, but it wasn't stereo obviously, but it was an electromagnetic pickup and I liked it very much the sound I get out of that. Uh, another instrument that I use quite a lot are instruments that I use quite a lot of stones. Again, I would have main stone mic'd up with an electromagnetic pickup and uh, I would tend to collect stones by their shape or their color. Or people would bring me stones from any place in the world that they could be traveling or whatever. Uh, like uh, Harry Moore last year brought me back some stuff from the Gobi Desert. Uh, each different stone kind of inspires me, but the main two stones that I use, I, I found them together. Um, lying on the beach in uh, East Cork where I come from and it was almost like as if they were being given to me by the sea because they both looked like they go together you know. And what about the electronic devices at your disposal here? I've seen lots of cables, little small boxes, yeah. tubes, various new have, things um, going on. I have a small um, termin that um, 
I use as well. I just tend to like the sound out of it. I have a, a real fancy terminal at home, which I don't use on stage at all. Uh, this little one has a nice story to it. That I met a, a Japanese artist using it about 10, 12 years ago in Cork. And he had very little English and I had very little Japanese, well, no Japanese, but we managed to communicate through an interpreter. And I asked him, would he get me one? Or would he send me one from Japan? No, I didn't even know this man's name uh, because he was with a group that I did know. And uh, he agreed that he'd get me one and send it to me. So I gave him uh, 100 euro, I think, at the time, 10 years ago. And uh, I heard nothing and heard nothing for about four or five months. And then suddenly Christmas week of that year, the terminal arrived in the post, which was nice. You know, I had given up total hope for it, but Santa Claus came through. You know? OK, can you tell me your name, where you're from, Edwin? What brings you here today? Hi, my name's Fred, Fred Cummins. I'm from Dublin and um, we're regular at these uh, midday concerts. Oh, why do you keep coming back? Well, they're extraordinary. They're, they're short, beautifully presented, and every week it's completely different. Uh, they're a really high-quality series. Yeah. Uh, my name is Mary Gibbons and I come from Delgany, County Wicklow, and I enjoy the lunchtime concerts. I think they're a great idea, and I hadn't been for a while, but I've come last week and I heard Redmond O'Toole also. It's a lovely sound in the in the space here and I just enjoy, it's just something nice to do on a Sunday morning and then it leaves the rest of the day if you want to go walking or do something else so I really do like coming. My name is Esme and I come here every Sunday morning and it's part of my life and somebody asked me there recently why I wasn't going to church and I said well I go to the Hugh Lane every Sunday and they said oh what religion is that? So I didn't, I didn't reply, but I love coming here this morning. So what brings you back? What is it that is so special for you to come here? Well, I've been involved in music all my life, I suppose. I did play the piano when I was younger. Unfortunately, I didn't keep it up, but I worked in the Leinster School for about 20 years and I had lots of association with musicians, especially, for me, the joy of some, seeing some of them starting as maybe complete and absolute beginners and then eventually boasting when they were in Carnegie Hall and say, oh, I remember when they started. But I have a great interest in music and I always have and I think I always will have. It's part of life. Without it, where would we be?
I'm talking with composer Ian Wilson. Tell us about the nature of the music that you'll be performing and uh, the sonic environment here at the gallery. Well, it's an improvised set. Uh, the two duos that are presently touring as a quartet are two improvising duos. We come from slightly different backgrounds. The Quiet Club, as you know, is essentially a sound art duo. And my own duo with the saxophonist Cahal Roach uh, Crow is more from an improvised music background. Uh, now, we did some work together about a year and a half ago where we recorded, uh, well, basically we were, we were jamming. We had a, a spare night on tour. Um, I was touring with the Quiet Club with an experimental opera. And Cahill lives quite close to Sligo where we ended up one evening. And we had a spare night, so the four of us, uh, we just started playing together and we liked what we'd done so much that we edited the track down, made it into a CD, and then we were touring off the back of the CD now. So the combination of the two duos creates uh, something different than either of us would do on our own. Um, it's great, we, Cal and I, responding to what Mick and Danny do and vice versa, and it's been so far, a very enjoyable experience for me. Uh, as you know, I'm essentially a composer, uh, but I've been doing a bit of live improvisation with Cahill over the last few years. And in a, in a former incarnation, I was also a concert pianist now and then. Uh, but this is a di very different approach, very different kind of practice. Uh, a lot of it's about listening as a performer. And that's something that I've really been enjoying. Even as the tour has progressed, I find being the least experienced of the four in this particular practice, I've been finding I've been learning an awful lot as we've been going on. Uh, the other aspect, I suppose, of what we do is we're trying to respond to each space that we're playing in. So somewhere like the Hugh Lane, uh, as you know, it's a very big space, very live acoustic, mm. uh, compared to maybe a couple of the more intimate places that we were performing in we will be adjusting our sound as we play, we'll be adjusting the kind of things that we do, try and to get the space involved to what we're doing so that we're not just playing in the space, but we're playing with the space. And tell me about the nature of today's uh, composition or music. Is it what we call a composed piece of music or is it something completely different? I would say it's something completely different. You sometimes hear improvisers saying that improvisation is composition at a very fast pace. Personally, I don't hold to that view. Composition is something which is, by its nature, more considered, something that can take you weeks or even months to do. And it's not necessarily about the speed of what you do, it's about the conceptualizing, it's about the going back, it's about the reworking. Improvisation uh, is something that happens, obviously, in the moment. You don't have a chance to go back. Uh, you don't, uh, it might be different for some improvisers, but we're very careful not to say anything to each other about what we're going to do, make any plans, have any concepts. We just begin and then we're in the, the moment, in the space, trying to get into the moment, I suppose, and then just seeing where it takes us, what will happen. That's the exciting thing about it, really. It's, that's what makes it so different from composition. Uh, you're not quite sure what's going to happen, and uh, you're excited to find out. Uh, so, uh, Ian, because you're improvising everything, is there a method of communication between you that uh, allows you to, first of all, begin the 
the concert, begin the music, begin the sounds? Or, and do you communicate during the process? Not in any conscious way. Even, even the beginning, will, it'll, somebody will step in. There's no plan about who to start. Uh, I mean, somebody always does. Uh, and then it finishes when it feels natural to stop. And the, the communication we have is mainly listening. Uh, there'll be some sonic communication, so you'll, you'll feel the, uh, the density of, of sound uh, grow or diminish. You'll get involved with that, you'll pull back. So it's, it's communication of a different kind. We're trying to have some kind of conversation between the four of us and the space. Maybe the audience get involved in a way as well, because if, if you can feel an audience is really engaged intently in what you're doing, that feeds the energy somehow. But there's no verbal or not even really a visual communication. It's just listening and trying to respond. My name is Angus. I'm from Dublin. Uh, I just came along because uh, um, I guess I've heard some of the musicians' music before and liked it, so I thought I'd check it out. Uh, my name is Cindy. I'm from Canada. I was living in St. John's uh, for most of last year, and I just moved here about a month ago. <laughs> so I heard about these free concerts um, just a few weeks ago, and it's just couldn't say no. <laughs> it's such a beautiful environment. I am Sigita. My name is Sigita. I'm originally from Lithuania, and I am here. I come here practically every Sunday for more than a year already, and I think it's a good chance, good possibility to come and hear music for free. I, I like music, classical music. I love coming here every Sunday. That's the reason I wake up. Anthony Denniston. I'm from Upper Drum Condra Road. Not too regular, but I do come every. every Every few months, yeah.
I'm talking with Mick O'Shea here at the Hugh Lane. Uh, Mick, tell us a little bit about the kind of sound art and music you're going to play today and uh, your collaboration with these musicians here. Well, the kind of music I'm going to play today, I wish I knew. <laughs> Absolutely, I have no idea. Um, I came in this morning uh, in the rain, set up my gear, looked at it, and then dismantled it again. Um, I took away at least two pieces that I found were superfluous, and, uh, and I'll see what happens after that. Uh, so based on uh, that description, yes. uh, we can look forward to a very imaginative improvisatory performance. Well, either that or mayhem. <laughs> well, we look forward to that as well. Okay. Uh, tell us a bit about your background. I know you're involved at UCC, you're involved in instrument making, and, uh, and so on. Uh, what got you into sonic art? Drawing. Um, I uh, was doing a series of um, abstract drawings for many years and I was kind of wondering where this visual aesthetic was coming from, where, why, where are my decisions coming from. So I tried to upset my decision making by listening to noise music with headphones. So the, the drawings started turning out crap, so I knew I was onto something really good. So then I wanted to see if I could actually make the sounds as I was drawing. So I attached microphones to the drawings, and as, as I was drawing, I also wore headphones, so as I was drawing a line from right to left, then a sonic line went from my right ear to my left ear. So then they really turned out crap, so I was I definitely onto something really You're good. You're a very there. modest man. I'm a modest man, yeah. <laughs> so at the moment, what I'm doing, so th from that then, uh, developed the, the whole sound. I got very interested in sound. But then from that, uh, I call them spectrosonic drawings. So uh, what I do now is that I set up my drawing board. On the drawing board, I have about five microphones, small contact microphones, one in my hand as well. On the right-hand side of the drawing are all the inks and um, pigments and oils and uh, whatever else, very cheap stuff, really. And on the left-hand side, going from the mics, are all the effects. So one hand, I'm creating a visual drawing on the second on the other side I'm creating a sonic drawing so they both kind of exist independently but they both kind of come together as a piece so each drawing will have its own CD type thing. Well it's very fitting we're here at the Hugh Lane which is a very visual location. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think during performance, who knows, who uh, knows? based yeah. on previous uh, yeah. uh, comments you may draw inspiration of some kind our impulses from this environment as you proceed. Well, the, 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 yes. the environment is, is so very, very important. <clears throat> but what's more important is my other three collaborators. So basically, it's like um, a non-verbal conversation. So we hardly talk when we meet, and we hardly talk when we finish. But in the meantime... Because you're all the best of friends. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's how it's kept like that. It's kept yeah. light. Uh, that's a wonderful description, in fact, of creativity, I have to say, because that sense of chance, the yeah. sense of indeterminacy, not uh, determining in advance anything you may do or may create. Yeah. What kind of instrumentation or devices will you be playing today? Well, I must say, last week 
I bought my first guitar. Before that, I was making stringed instruments for a long time. Um, but I, and I'm playing it for the first time tonight. Uh, so yeah, I think that uh, would be. Does it does it require tuning? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I heard that word somewhere. I have to look it up sometime. I'm not too sure what it means. We've been listening to the various sounds in the background uh, yeah. as I've been chatting with the other guys, and uh, we've been hearing the various types of sounds coming from various devices. Uh, is this the kind of thing the audience here today will be experiencing? Uh, and uh, do you attempt in any way to formalize the process? No, there would be, be no formalization. What I think what does happen, like in any conversation, maybe somebody will dominate that conversation. That is not necessarily the best type of conversation, but um, the best type is where there's kind of a give and take. I won't say call and response, but something like that kind of um, generosity of listening, I suppose, really is a way to, to put it. And um, the ideal for me would be if there's more silences in the whole piece than there is sound. But that, that's a very rare occurrence. And it is nearly always to do with the actual space. So I suppose today the audience will probably, uh, it, today it's kind of like an experience of sound and environment interacting. Absolutely. Would that yeah. be a fair Yeah, that'd be very good. Yeah, I think you're hired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tell me about your collaboration with Danny over the years, because both of you have a visual art background, yeah. and, uh, and also Sonic uh, as yeah. well. And yeah. uh, Did you meet down at UCC, or was it before that? No, uh, it was before that. Um, I can't remember, actually, where we met. We, we, we tried to forget these things, <laughs> uh, like in any good relationship. <laughs> we tried to forget those, uh, those, those anniversary moments. Uh, so, uh, what sort of things uh, here today, you'll be improvising, you'll be, in a sense, listening to the various sounds created by each other. Yeah. Uh, does the audience have a part in this? I, I, for years I'd have said no, but I think that yes, of course they do. Um, they, they force us to, um, I suppose, take them into account by their... Um, by their, uh, what would I call it? There's a word in German called Rauschbären, I think. It means it's that, it's that involuntary cough that people make when they disapprove of something. <coughs> it's this kind of <coughs> clearing the throat. And I expect to hear a lot of that this evening. <laughs> and that will contribute, no doubt, to the performance. Of course. That's we an extra sonic we element. We insist on it. Um, you are an instrument maker too, aren't you? Well, that's uh, a very that's things? a very big right. word for what uh, I do. Uh, it's a, okay, <coughs> an, an audio producer. Well, I, I like to uh, <laughs> I like to do I do some circuit bending and I do yeah. make some I would call them very loosely stringed instruments, stringed instruments using um, guitar pickups and contact microphones, um, and uh, yeah, I'm yeah I've I've made so many of them now that I can't begin to think I can't I don't know where to dump them, basically. Mick O'Shea, thank you very much for chatting here to me today at the Hugh Lane. It's been almost uh, a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> In your opinion, how important do you think is it like for concerts like this to be free in a gallery or in a space like this in Dublin City? I wouldn't mind paying for this. this is, these concerts are so good, but to put them on for free is, uh, is super extra bonus points for civilised behaviour. It's wonderful. I think it's great that there's concerts like this and uh, I know that the Dublin City Council have open opera as well and sat down in the month of August, that's also free. And I think it's great to get people interested and may it long continue. Thank you.
Yeah, I think it's a really nice space and that it's great to see it used for this purpose and um, I guess to see more uh, marginalised kind of music getting a venue or a, a platform. Oh, extremely important. Um, it's one of the best things about being here so far um, is the accessibility of uh, museums, exhibits, concerts. I mean, my background is a little bit in music, so I have a, I'm a little bit biased, <laughs> but it is a language and I think it should be free <laughs> if when possible obviously and if we can support the musicians in other ways that's wonderful but um, I think this encourages also the new generation to come and check things out that aren't mainstream um, so I'm, I'm very much in support <laughs> okay I'm with Cattle Roach here at the uh, Sundays at Noon concert series and today Cattle is performing along with three other sonic artists Cattle tell us a bit about what you are doing today and how the music or sounds will be Uh, created or will emanate from the quartet? Surely, thanks Ken. We've been playing this group sound together, really without knowing what objects or instruments uh, are being used by each other at any one time, or indeed who's playing them or where they're coming from, because there's speakers placed around as well. So I'm just sort of really getting used to being in a group sound for an hour and uh, I suppose we're having a little bit of debate in there, a little bit about uh, a detachment, an emotional content, expression, music versus sound, and all those kinds of things. But it's been more or less an unconscious experience for me, uh, the entire tour, where I just feel part of one group working together, just trying to come to terms with, with what's happening around us and adapting to our environment as we play. Now, Carl, you're a saxophonist, and I've seen a number of your saxophones out here on the stand, if you like. Beautiful instruments, magnificent. And most people will associate the saxophone with jazz in particular, Mm -hmm. and with uh, tonal music in particular. Mm -hmm. Tell me what kind of sounds you'll be trying to get out of this instrument today. I suppose uh, they'll be rather of the non-tonal variety. More, Would I be right? Um, surely. I, I should just mention, I, I started working with the saxophones and um, this question of sound versus tonality or music when we were working with a Shano singer, Lachlan McMahona. Uh, we, we played here a few year, years ago in a group called Common Tongue. And what was surprising there was how um, this, the, Ian was working on laptop for that project and there was three of us working sort of interweaving separate worlds together and I realized that whatever key I was in or tonality I was in it didn't matter at all to Lorcan and that what seemed to unite us in rehearsals was the story of the songs that he was singing in Irish and so we would all we did for rehearsal was to talk around the story so once we had a theme or a story something that was something to think about or a journey to go on then everything else would take care of itself. So it just stopped being a problem from that point on. Um, something similar also working with dancers or other uh, artistic uh, stimulus around you, uh, kind of carry you into sound and out of music or towards melody. We haven't had much melody in this group happen yet. It, it might happen today, I, I don't really know. 
I don't really, and we'll see what happens. Tell us about the saxophones, because we're used to associating it, as I say, with jazz, which is a very tonal yeah. music. Uh, but there are all kinds of, uh, I suppose, percussive and breath-related sounds. Uh, are you, uh, basically, I suppose, it, does it give you the freedom to do whatever you are inspired to do in the moment? And any kind of a sound is acceptable. Um, I've found um, the instrument to be liberating, but also very restricting in, in certain ways. So let me explain as quickly as I can. Um, I was very fortunate enough to see musicians in Dublin even 20 years ago that were doing this kind of work. So Mats Gustafsson and John Butcher and Evan Parker, who's performed here recently. And um, hearing uh, the independence and the uniqueness and the boldness of a sort of solitary approach to practice, a personalized saxophone sound, if you like, that each of these guys had and everyone had their uniqueness. I would say the saxophone lends itself to unique sound. Everybody has their own sound. So even in free improv, there's stopped being this sort of stereotypical type of free improv sound effects or extended techniques being used. And it became more about the individual voices who were improvising. And so um, that, that's very liberating. And then ultimately, when uh, if you're to follow that path, it, it is quite restricting in that you, you tend to be marginalized uh, and, and not getting called for certain types of work and, and you, 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 you live by it then. You, 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 you learn to adjust and, and maybe change your, your environment to sustain you better. Well, I noticed that the other lads uh, are, uh, are playing what we would call instruments or devices which include all kinds of pedals and knobs and cables and various things like that. Uh, in terms of saxophone, do you, use a, do you use a similar array of devices or is it purely mm -hmm. the sax itself as the, the instrument? Yeah, it's a, a, um, a conical tube with levers and buttons um, which are opened and closed. It's also different reeded instruments at the same time it's, I use a lot of circular breathing in my playing, so there's a continuous sound. So I'm always dealing with the breath, say, that the sound is rising or falling, disappearing, returning. There's a lot of those things going on. And the, the techniques I've been using for a long time now, principally multiphonics, which are sort of false fingerings on a saxophone, which lend themselves to playing maybe four or five different frequencies at once or overtones at once. And so I'm very much going on a journey, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a vertical journey of harmonics. And each different fingering produces a different set of frequencies. And so I'm, I'm moving between these different frequencies all the time and, and, and reacting to the sounds around me. And sometimes there's common tones and sometimes there's dissonance and trying to listen to the outside of the horn really, but just working with these multiphonics and and other, other effects too, yeah. Each of the lads have talked about the idea of listening as being a big component mm -hmm. uh, for yourselves as artists, uh, creative sound artists, and also I presume for the audience that this idea of listening and uh, obtaining something from the listening experience. Uh, for yourselves as, as performers, uh, how does listening uh, inform what you do? You're listening to each other, presumably. You're listening to what you are individually producing. Right. 
uh, and it all somehow blends and works and moves mm -hmm. together. Um, sure. So as I said, if I'm playing four or five frequencies at once on the saxophone, and I, 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 I focus in on something that resonates with me, one of those frequencies, and then I might realize that actually Ian is playing that frequency, not myself at all. So I don't know a lot of the time if I'm listening to my own sound or somebody else's. Um, sometimes I, I recognize that that same experience is happening to other people. So if there's a very guttural or um, sort of raspy tone, and next of all, I, I noticed that for the last two minutes, Mick has actually been bowing quite vigorously and getting a, a similar texture. So it's all, it's all very... It's uh, kind of a fusion, I suppose, of a creative sonic yeah, yeah, layers uh, sure. that are going on at the same time. Yeah, we're all tunneling yeah. away different directions, yeah. part of the same project, not really having a plan. Um, and I guess we have a, a common purpose, though, which is to stay open and listening, you know, listening, having that f uh, uh, freshness and awakeness to your, your consciousness as you perform and to each other. Um, not to get too caught up in your personal expression or emotions, but to see what people have in common and maybe just like a discussion. And uh, Cahill, tell us about the uh, CD now that you have there and what right. we can expect from it. Right, so this is, our tour has all been launched um, as a result of this uh, recording which happened um, in 2015. And it's available on Farpoint Recordings or at the cmc.ie if you want to hear some more. And what's the title of the CD? I'm sure it's called uh, The Quiet Club and Crow, and the, the title of it is As the Quiet Crow Flies. So we'll hear uh, that wonderful CD available at the CMC, and Farpoint Recordings is the uh, publisher, yes? Right. Thank you very much, Cahill. Thank Thanks. you very much indeed. Thanks, Ken.
Danny McCarthy comes from a visual arts background. How did this influence his work as a sound artist? Tell me a bit about your own background because you started off really in visual art at NCAD, isn't that right, here yeah. in Dublin? Uh, but I mean, I'm st- I'd still be very active in, in visual art. I would have had uh, a large-scale 1916 installation or in 1916 commissioned installation in Triscoll Arts Centre last year, which encompassed sound and visual art. Uh, I have a show coming up in De Crawford in May of this year, uh, installation, which will be totally visual, but it'll be a sound art exhibition without a sound being made. Uh, the title <laughs> is Beyond Silence. Well, that certainly is a challenge to uh, a listening audience. Uh, reminiscence of John Cage's 4 minutes, 33 seconds, perhaps? Well, perhaps. Uh, yeah. It's also questioning people's memory of sound and things like that. It'll use a lot of ornamentation of uh, musicians playing, uh, ceramic musicians that I picked up in junk stores and wherever, playing instruments, and they'll be inside in a huge glass cabinet uh, entitled The Orchestra of Silence. You're attached to UCC down there in Cork. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your particular department and what you engage in. Yeah, um, I'm in the music department there, but I teach a module called Sounds Like Listening. And basically, it's an introduction to students to actually really listening and an introduction to sound art and basic improvisation at the same time. Composer Ian Wilson was born and raised in Belfast and attended university to study music. I asked him about the evolution of his compositions and his development as a composer. Well, there's certainly that element of trying not to repeat yourself. Uh, I've been very prolific over the 27 years that I've been a composer. I've written over 150 pieces in that time. And it's very important to me not to, not to do the same thing, not to get comfortable. Uh, I'm not a great believer in the notion of style, uh, but I do believe in the notion of expression. And there are certain things that I'm interested in exploring, some of them more abstract, some of them more concrete. Uh, I think over the last 10 or 12 years, my practice has been expanding in a number of different directions so obviously I'm working with improvisers but not just as a performer as a composer I've been working with improvisers for a while Uh, I've been involved in music theatre various kind of collaborations with whether it's computer music composers or dancers or theatre directors I feel now that the sense of potentiality and possibility in my work is greater than it ever was just because I think the times that we're in is much more about collaborative cross-art form practice and that's very exciting for me. Now, as we're chatting away here we can hear sounds coming from the uh, auditorium just uh, behind us here. Uh, traditionally we would call that ch- tuning up the orchestra <laughs> but uh, in today's case I don't think the word tuning really applies. Uh, we're hearing various sounds of different types. Uh, does uh, this kind of music, this kind of sound art, owe its, uh, leg- its, I suppose, its birth and its legacy to perhaps Karl Heinz Stockhausen from his period onwards, Darmstadt and so on? Or are we listening to something that is more reflective of Messiaen? Or is it something completely random and chance and experimental? Well, you'd have to talk to uh, the likes of Cahill. Cahill has a more of a jazz background, uh, for instance, than the rest of us. I think what you're hearing is a combination of practice that comes from jazz. So, for instance, in the 60s, you had the, the um, 
the free jazz movement with Ornette Coleman and uh, John Coltrane and others who were really pushing the boundaries of what was possible in terms of com communication between musicians and the possibilities of various instruments expressively. Then that was taken up uh, by a number of performers in America, Europe, Britain in the 60s and 70s and taken in a really um, very free direction and then on top of that you had the growth of the sound art movement which comes more from a visual art background uh, and you had artists interested in exploring the nature of sound, what they could do with various objects and instruments and if you throw in um, the practice of John Cage who who told us all that anything can be music. You combine those things and, and you get a, a path which leads to not only what you might hear today, but many, many different kinds of practice. So I don't think the big names like, uh, I mean, Stockhausen was, was always very, very controlling. Uh, he liked to be in charge of every aspect of his composition. Now, having said that, there were some things he did in the late 60s and 70s, which were much more about chance operation. So yeah, it has its roots in a number of different places, for sure. Tell us about the instrument or devices you're playing today here at the Hugh Lane. Uh, I play horizontal electric guitar um, with just a couple of effects pedals, an e-bow, a violin bow, and then I have some sound, little sound objects like a, a music box or some shells, um, just a few little things that make sound. I mean, I, I did play as a guitarist in my youth. Uh, I, had, I had a band or two in my time. Uh, so I'm trying to avoid those tropes and hand shapes which are very familiar to me. So if I put the guitar horizontally, I have to approach it as a very different object. So uh, that allows me to explore it more as a thing than an instrument, which is, uh, which is great because I'm finding, even as we're progressing, just different things to do with it. Thank you, Ian Wilson, composer and performer here at the Hugh Lane. Thank you very, very much. welcome. Thank you.
Okay, I'm back with Mary. Uh, that was quite an array of sounds. Um, what did you What did you think of today's concert? Um, I thought it was very different from the usual. It, sometimes I was thinking I was listening to the music on Bernard Clark's Nova on Lyric FM, and then at other times there's a lot of birds. And uh, John Kelly on the JK Ensemble plays uh, Cantus Antarcticus once a year, and it really resembled that. And I suppose what I enjoyed most about it was that the music was changing all the time, so you had to be, you couldn't kind of sit back and, you know, relax. You were alert to it all the time, and I really enjoyed it. Okay, and now I'm back with Esme. So, uh, what did you think of today's concert? Certainly very interesting. And for me, I have done some kind of music like that myself, so... I'm more aware of what they're trying to do. And now I'm back with Sigita. So may I ask you, what did you think of today's performance? I, uh, in the beginning, I just thought it's not my cup of tea because it's very different. But when I closed my eyes and made a picture of my own, and they made amazing music and it worked very well. So, so I think I can listen to this music. What images came up for you? What did you see? Like in the beginning, I saw the like waterfall, something like monkeys or whatever, and then something like a modern art gallery, and everything is talking, like you know. So actually, liked it. It's different, but it's it's very good. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. I wish she'd been a bit more elaborate on the saxophone, mm-hmm. baritone. But she'd been a bit more, a bit more uh, performance with this. They, they seem a bit restrained, so, as if they were holding back, you know. It, it's, it's more like textures, really. It's like um, architecture, but in music. You know what I mean? Thank you to today's performers, Ian Wilson, Cahill Roach, Danny McCarthy and Mick O'Shea. Thanks also to Concert Series Director Gavin O'Sullivan and all at the Hugh Lane Gallery for accommodating Near FM. This series is produced and edited by Paul Lochran, with sound production by Gay Graham, production support Gary Kirwan, and additional interviews by Dorothy Meyer-Holtkamp. Today's concert was recorded by Darby O'Carroll. Thank you to all the staff and volunteers with Near FM and Phoenix FM for making these broadcasts possible. The Sundays at Noon concert series takes place in the beautiful Sculpture Gallery at the Hugh Lane every Sunday between September and June, and attendance is free to the public. My name is Ken Tui. Join us next time for more in the Hugh Lane concert series. Thank you for listening.
This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.